the unsurpassed penetrating and perfect truth is seldom met with even in a hundred thousand myriad kalpas. Now we can see and hear it. We can remember and accept it. I vow to make the Buddha's truth one with myself. Homage to the Buddha, homage to the Dharma, homage to the Sangha. So we start our first talk on the way of the Bodhisattva. As we study Shantideva's text, we need to keep a few things in mind. First of all, he's motivated by compassion, deep compassion, and is is obvious all through his work. He wants us to undertake the way of the Bodhisattva, to find the truth for ourselves, so that we can help both ourselves and other beings to bring an end to suffering and find true peace and joy. And in order to get us to do this, he's very direct. He doesn't mince his words at all, as we know if we read it. He talks a lot about sin. And we need to remember that in Buddhism, sin is that which creates suffering. There's no judgment in this. It's not a good and evil thing. It's just that which creates suffering. So when he talks about sin, which he does quite often, just bear that in mind. It's not some kind of judgment from on high. And he also talks a lot about hell and the horrible consequences of not training ourselves. This is not simply to frighten us. It's to get us to start, to undertake the training of a bodhisattva. Well, here in the West, many of us have been raised with the idea of hell and damnation, an eternal state from which there's no reprieve. So I think we need to hold the concept of hell not so tightly. Hells in Buddhism are not eternal damnation. You get to leave eventually, although it might be a long time. And the hells are supposed to be extremely unpleasant, especially as Shantideva describes them. So we don't want to be dismissive and not take his description seriously. But we don't want to be too fearful either. It's just different cultural things seem to work in different places. So just to bear that in mind and not to get crushed by the weight of sin, hell, damnation and all that. It seems better for us to be encouraged to awaken bodhicitta by seeing its virtues and the joy of training in it rather than being frightened into it. And that might be a general thing, I don't know. But anyway, here we are. So Shantideva starts off doing exactly this. He's trying to encourage us to awaken bodhicitta. And in his very first chapter, he tells us about the excellence of bodhicitta. First of all, he pays homage to all the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, as well as all those who have gone before us and realized the truth for themselves and passed it down to us. This is the traditional form. First of all, you pay homage. You pay homage to your teachers, you pay homage to the Buddha, you know, and make that offering. And then he says he doesn't have a whole lot to offer. He's not really saying anything new. He's just really trying to work on himself. But it may be that some of what he says might help other people. And this is also traditional, to be modest, not to think one's better than other people, especially when one's teaching the Dharma, not to think, well, here I am, teaching these other people who know less than me. It's not like that at all. So, 
Shantideva does all this. He makes his, gives his, his homage to the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. And then he says he doesn't have a whole lot to offer. And then he takes off. Just as on a dark night, black with clouds, the sudden lightning glares and all is clearly shown. Likewise, rarely, through the Buddha's power, virtuous thoughts rise, brief and transient, in the world. So very occasionally, a virtuous thought might come up in our mind, unprovoked. It's the power of the Buddha, actually it's our own Buddha nature, that gives rise to this thought. It's not our own efforts from the mind, it's just somehow there's this impulse to do good, virtuous thoughts, wishing to do good. It comes up naturally and spontaneously from our own heart. But it doesn't happen often, he says, just like lightning on a dark night, just a quick flash and then it's gone. Virtue thus is weak and always evil is of great and overwhelming strength. Except for perfect bodhicitta, what other virtue is there that can lay it low? How else can we deal with our past mistakes, our proclivities, our horrible tendencies, than by, over, than by cultivating bodhicitta? Only bodhicitta can help us to overcome our hindrances. Those who wish to crush the many sorrows of existence, who wish to quell the pain of living beings, who wish to have experience of a myriad joys, should never turn away from bodhicitta. And he describes all the great joys and benefits of bodhicitta. If you want to follow the way of the bodhisattva, the first thing we need to do is to awaken bodhicitta and nourish it. Because this is the aspiration for the way, to help ourselves and other beings, both so what is bodhicitta exactly? Well, the translator prefers to leave it untranslated because he says it has many nuances and is easier to understand, perhaps, than to translate. So he doesn't translate it. It can mean the mind of awakening, the awakened mind, the aspiration for enlightenment. It's the attitude of mind that tends towards enlightenment, that, that wants to find the truth. And this is what makes one a bodhisattva, or at least a bodhisattva in training like us. A being who aspires to enlightenment in order to help all beings, not just himself. We all have bodhicitta. That's why we're here. We all have it. And the bodhisattva vows that we recite to save all beings, purify one's heart, and realize the truth are all expressions of bodhicitta, the expression of bodhicitta to save beings, to purify one's heart and realize the truth, purify one's harmful tendencies. And the whole of the way of the Bodhisattva really is that, just that. Well, Shantideva says, Bodhicitta has two aspects. There's Bodhicitta in intention and there's active Bodhicitta. It's like intending to start and then actually doing it. There's merit in the intention, but there's much more merit in actually putting it into practice. This is one of my favorite verses. 
For when with irreversible intent the mind embraces bodhicitta, willing to set free the endless multitudes of beings, in that instant, from that moment on, a great and unremitting stream, a strength of wholesome merit, even during sleep and inattention, rises equal to the vastness of the sky. It was wonderful. It's wonderful. This is one of my favorite verses I said, because even during sleep and inattention, our merit keeps going. Even when we're not paying attention, even when we're goofing off, even when we're making a mistake, we still have that intention, that aspiration, that merit. Even when we're not fully engaged with it, it still keeps going. Like this, a great and unremitting stream, a strength of wholesome merit, rises equal to the vastness of the sky. Really encouraging for us. Because we don't remember all the time. We're always forgetting. We're always getting you know, distracted, confused, making mistakes, doing silly things. But this wish, this aspiration, rises equal to the vastness of the sky. just keeps on going. There's much merit, as he says, in simply wishing to help other beings, just wanting to do that. But how much more merit is there? There is, in fact, in actually doing something to help. You know, wishing to help them is good. Actually doing something is much better. For beings long to free themselves from misery, but misery itself they follow and follow and pursue. They long for joy, but in their ignorance destroy it as they would their foe. There's so, com- so much compassion, deep compassion in this verse. Shantideva really feels the suffering of all beings that they undergo in the six worlds of existence. They long to free themselves from misery, but they follow and pursue it. They long for joy, but they destroy it because they don't know any better out of ignorance. Now we notice he doesn't say people, he says beings. He's not just talking about people because he includes animals, hungry ghosts, beings in the hells, All beings in all the six worlds of rebirth, even people in the Deva world, they need help too because they don't know, they may not know that actually there's something better than just blissing out. There's something better. But in the human world, we have this opportunity because we have suffering also. So his offering of the wish for bodhicitta, the wish to help all beings is boundless and limitless. It's not just for people. So now we come to the chapter on confession. Well, first Shantideva makes an offering to the three treasures of fruit, flowers, jewels, perfumes, all kinds of wonderful things in enormous quantities. Once again, there's a traditional thing to make the offering. And he goes on at some length. He really puts his heart into it. He really thinks about it. What do I want to offer? Well, he doesn't actually have all these things because he's a monk. He says, for destitute of merit, I'm very poor. I have no other wealth. He doesn't have much merit either, he says. But he has nothing tangible to give. But he offers them in his mind. He holds them before his mind. To make this mental offering is not just wishful thinking. It's a real deep deep wish to offer all these things. He does it some, with some care and at some length. It's not just a casual thing at all. 
And to make this offering, it actually has benefits, has is merit, and it helps us to cultivate faith in the three treasures. We wish to give all these things to the Buddhas, to make these offerings to the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas and the Dharma, the three treasures. And it helps us to, courage, to nourish generosity, the wish to give to others. So it's not just a pretend thing. It actually has real benefit. It helps to move the heart, to open the heart, to open up to generosity and faith deepen our aspiration. And having done all this, this large offering, it means he starts his confession. In this and all my other lives, while turning in the round without beginning, blindly I have brought forth evil and incited others to commit the same. Deceived and overmastered by ignorance, I have taken pleasure in such sin, and seeing now the blame of it, O great protectors, I confess it earnestly, Whatever I have done against the triple gem, against my parents, teachers and the rest, through force of my defilements in my body, speech and mind, all the evil I, a sinner, have committed, all the wicked deeds that cling to me, the frightful things that I contrived, I openly declare to you, the teachers of the world. Then he goes on, it may be that my death will come to me before my evil has been cleansed. How then can I be freed from it? I pray you, quickly grant me your protection. Death might come at any moment with all its terrors and everything and every one will pass away. When we die, we have to leave everything behind, all the things we've gained, all the people we've loved or hated or harmed. And Shantideva is well aware of this and he says... The thought came never to my mind that I too am a brief and passing thing and so through hatred, lust and ignorance I have committed many sins. I've created a lot of suffering. Death is inevitable but we don't like to think about it and he describes the terror of death in lurid detail and again he's not just trying to frighten us he's trying to get us to do something about ourselves to see our mistakes to face them and to repent, to say, I'm really sorry, I want to change. He always has a real purpose. Even when he goes on at length, he's trying to make a strong point, and strong points are something that he does. But this fear of his is more than just a fear of death. He's afraid to die with the weight of his past wrongdoings still on his conscience. He wants to be cleansed of them. He wants to face them, to repent them openly, and to say, I'm never going to do this again. As we know, to say I'm really sorry is really good, but to say I'm never going to do this again is the other part of it, contrition and conversion. Even when we do make mistakes again, even when we do fall by the wayside again, to have that real deep wish to change and not to keep making the same mistakes and creating suffering. So Shantideva takes refuge in the three treasures. He says, Thus, from this day forward, I take refuge in the Buddhas, guardians of beings, 
who labor to protect all wanderers, those mighty ones who scatter every fear. And in the Dharma that they have realized in their hearts, which drives away the terrors of samsara, and in all the host of bodhisattvas, likewise, I will perfectly take refuge, taking refuge in Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. The bodhisattvas representing the Sangha. And in the midst of his fear of death, which has gone on about at some length, as I said, he has deep faith, being afraid to die with his mistakes on his conscience, he has deep faith that they will help him and protect him if he asks. And he ends his confession in very simple and humble words. The wrongs that I have done through ignorant stupidity, all actions evil by their nature, and transgressions of the precepts, fearing all the pains to come, I join my palms and ceaselessly prostrate, and everything I will confess directly in the sight of my protectors, holding nothing back, completely open. I pray you, guides and guardians of the world, to take me as I am, a sinful man. And all these actions, evil as they are, I promise I will never do again. Really simple, straightforward, nothing held back. And it's not just fear of death and hell and so forth. It's that real wish not to harm beings anymore. The real wish to cultivate bodhicitta, to help beings, to help them find peace and joy and let go of their suffering. That's part of his wish. And having made this confession, he lets it go. He lets all that stuff go. He doesn't look back. He doesn't keep going on about his past mistakes and, oh, I wish I'd done this and I hadn't done that. No. He just lets it go and goes forward. And as we will see tomorrow, he can go forward now in faith, with confidence and with joy. Homage to all the Buddhas in all worlds. Homage to all the Bodhisattvas in all worlds. Homage to the scripture of great wisdom.